Good morning. Um, this is kind of strange, I guess. My name is Eric. I am an elder here at Regen. And, well, not here, uh, wherever you are. My last sermon was a year ago. Uh, the church was still in fully remote mode. And at that time I said, I would only be back if it was really, really desperate. And it really is. This time, literally everybody else we asked uh, was not available. So I'm coming to you from my backyard. Talk about a backup, backup plan. I was originally going to preach from the Song of Solomon, uh, but I quickly realized it wasn't actually a story about fawns or gazelles or pomegranates. Uh, those are all allegories uh, for how Christ loves the church, but it's also about sacred covenantal love. Ecclesiastes was also written by Solomon, son of David, uh, and he asked God when um, he was going to be king to give him wisdom to rule, uh, to rule God's people. He did rule with wisdom for a while, uh, but then he lost his way. His heart turned away from God. Uh, he was tempted by uh, worldly things like idols, uh, his passions of, of his heart. And so you could read Ecclesiastes like it's him looking back on his life, regretting a lot of things and coming to his senses. He sees the world for what it is. He realizes the world is a broken place. Sin has entered the world that God has created and it caused the ground to produce thorns. Uh, and we continue to sin against each other and against God, which is why we see the attitude that Solomon has uh, when we read Ecclesiastes. So some people read it and they think it's cynicism or fatalism, but I think it's more, you know, it's more realism. Solomon had everything a person could want. Uh, but at the end of his life, or whenever it is that he wrote it, he saw that if this is all there is, then it's all meaningless. You live and then you die. It doesn't matter what you do because the same fate awaits us all. Rich, poor, foolish, wise, it's all the same. But he says, remember also the creator of the days of your youth. This is the way to imbue this life and this world with meaning. Remember who is the source of joy and everything good. Otherwise, the world is empty and cruel without God. And I didn't have a lot of time to prepare, uh, so the plan is just to let God's word speak. I'm going to read passages that stood out to me with some reflections, and then I'm going to give us some time at the end to reflect. The theme today is a time for everything. In particular, I want us to have time to grieve. Grieving is not something we're good at. As humans, as adults, as Americans, I have a daughter who is turning three in a few weeks. She has perfected the art of the tantrum. She can spin up that cry and those tears in less than five seconds. She is ready to show her emotions, to show how sad she is about not getting more candy or more shows or more songs. There is an injustice. She is heartbroken and she is making sure that we know. But she is also so easily distracted just mention something else, anything else, like literally anything that she likes, she'll forget that she was ever sad. She just moves on like it never happened. And we are often like this when we're hurt or sad. We distract ourselves from what is causing us pain or anguish and we move right on. We're often uncomfortable with being sad and with being hurt. So it's just more convenient to move on, to distract ourselves with some nice things. But we are not three-year-olds. We were created in the image of God. 
and God grieves, God feels sadness, and God is heartbroken. So we, we should learn to be that too. You might remember that my last sermon was on Jesus, the man of sorrow. And so you could say this is kind of the theme in my life, to remember that life comes in all shades. Back to grief. We have a lot to grieve, all of us. Collectively, we need to grieve this pandemic. It has disrupted our lives and the entire world. Our kids have missed out on crucial development and friendships, family and friends um, and loved ones have been lost. Relationships have been strained and fractured. Jobs have been lost, businesses closed. Have we even made time to remember what life was like before? Before we knew what a coronavirus was or a pod or a PPE, aerosolized droplets, supply chain or Omicron? And that's just the pandemic. We've also experienced loss, frustrations, brokenness in our own ways, in our own lives. And this should cause us to remember that the world is broken. It is not as God intended. This breaks God's heart and it should break ours too. So today, I just want to give us some time for that. Uh, before I move on, I want to mention, I follow Justin McRoberts on Twitter. Uh, Justin was preaching the last couple of weeks here. And he tweeted this thing uh, a couple of months ago and it made me stop like mid-scroll. And I said, whoa, this is really good. Um, I mean, most of his tweets are really good, but this one was really, really good. And he said it in his sermon a couple weeks ago, but I didn't feel like he said it dramatically enough. And so I'm going to do it here because it's so good. So he said, if I do not give grief and anger their own space and time, they will steal it from somewhere else. So Ecclesiastes 1, 2 to 11. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes around to the north, around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. So in this passage, Habel is the Hebrew word translated as vanity, and it shows up in 30 different verses, and it shows up five times just in the first verse of this poem. It literally means mist or vapor, and it refers to something that's fleeting or elusive. In my life, when I think of the concept of fleeting, the first thing I think of is buying stuff online, online shopping. So my favorite place to go is REI or Backcountry. Uh, there's so much cool stuff. I could climb a mountain or I could hike the Pacific Crest Trail uh, with all of that stuff, all of that gear. I do the research, I find a good deal, I click buy, and then I track the shipment. All of that anticipation and then it arrives and then I have it. And that's it, there's nothing left to look forward to. Uh, the moment is fleeting. Ecclesiastes 3, 1-8 For everything there is a season 
and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I really love this poem because it says there's a time for everything. Sometimes we think life only has time for fun or growing or, or uh, reaping or laughter. This poem reminds us that no, here on earth, there's a time for everything and everything will come in its time. And so if you do remember to do this later, uh, I would recommend that you look up Jane's SoundCloud and listen to her cover of Turn, Turn, Turn. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. I had to include this passage. Uh, full disclosure, uh, it is a pet peeve of mine that uh, when people talk too much and I'm learning, I'm trying not to judge, but, but honestly, we all need reminders to stop, to listen before speaking. And if you're of a certain age, you'll know this song, you are God in heaven and here am I on earth. It's such a cheesy song and I love it. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 to 11. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Money does not buy happiness. I think of how I would go camping, um, eating and I would just eat a bowl of instant noodle uh, for dinner. And it ends up being the most satisfying meal, even though it's cold and it's dark outside and I'm tired. Somehow it doesn't matter that I'm really uncomfortable, but the simple food brings that much enjoyment. It's because hunger is the best seasoning. And if having wealth is the goal, you will never have enough. Ecclesiastes 7, 1 to 13. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness 
and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. And say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? I'll be honest, I like this poem, but I don't really know what a lot of it means. It's something to ponder. And I just remember that Jesus spoke in parables. Who can fathom the wisdom of God? Who can make straight what he has made crooked? Ecclesiastes 8, 14 to 15. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity, and I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through his days of his life that God has given him under the sun. The beginning of this sounds pretty similar to the question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? As we've said before, the world is broken because the world is fallen. God promises to restore all things and that he will make all things right one day. But for now, we can take joy in the good that we have and see because of and not in spite of the brokenness that we also see around us. Ecclesiastes 9, 11-12 Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Time and chance happen to them all. Man does not know his time. Something I think about as I'm now 37 years old is that my dad died when he was 42. Man does not know his time. Time and chance happen to them all. Ecclesiastes 11, 5-10 As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones of, in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. As I get older, I realize how nice it was to be young. When my body didn't hurt, when my neck didn't hurt because I slept on my pillow and it was slightly crooked. It is truly a gift 
to be able to not think about pain. Ecclesiastes 12, 1-8 Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. This sounds like someone who has seen a lot. And this next one is the very last verse of Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So that's Ecclesiastes. If you want to hear more, Albert actually did a sermon series on this in 2018, and you can go find that on the website. So as I said before, uh, I want to give us some time to reflect and pray. There's not going to be any music. There's no instrumental. It's just going to be silence. And it may be uncomfortable, but that's okay. Um, I won't be there to experience it with you, but I'm sure it will be very quiet. But that's the whole point. Let's take this time to search our hearts for sadness, disappointment, anger, frustration. Bring them before God. He may not fix everything, and he may not restore all things in this lifetime, but it is better for us to go to the house of mourning uh, than to the house of feasting. And if you can't think of anything to bring before God, then, then praise God. But also ask God to prepare you for days of darkness because youth and pleasure are fleeting. So let's take some time uh, to reflect.
So now we're going to move into a time of communion. If you don't have the little communion cup, Steph can bring one to you. I'll also ask the worship team to come up at this time. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus says this is the new covenant. In Ecclesiastes, we see that there is nothing new under the sun. But Jesus came from heaven, from beyond the sun, and really did something new. So that our life doesn't have to be fleeting or chasing after the wind. So let's take the wafer to remember Christ, his body born into this broken world, broken on our behalf as our substitute. Let's take the cup and remember the covenant that God has given us his spirit to give us hope and so that we might bring hope into this world.